Somebody definitely needs fame slowed down. Uh, we won't say any names as of yet. Yeah. I mean, the, both things we're talking about today is definitely subject to everything. Let's <laughs> bat this water out. <laughs> both the things we talk about. Please don't, that's, a, that's a different, that's a, these are two different variants of substituting that we are going wow. to be talking about this month. Absolutely. And welcome back to Overly Medicated. I am Justin here with Mark. Obviously, we are talking to you about HBO's Euphoria. Uh, we got one more bonus episode to talk about before we leave you guys for another couple, couple, for a couple very months. A very good bonus episode, at least, until you uh, have to wait a couple of months until we yeah. get an official announcement. Yep. Hopefully yep. soon. Uh, let, well, well, we have a lot to talk about. Uh, obviously, we're going to talk about a special episode, Jules. The only reason that we didn't do it right away uh, was because we wanted to actually talk about something else that uh, that premiered this month as well uh, we're only like two weeks out from this i mean it's not like much of a, a crazy uh crazy thing and plus it's a bonus episode like who's 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 waiting to hear that <laughs> that review right after the fucking thing goes up nobody right now uh but we want to talk about sam levinson's malcolm and marie on netflix a lot of people have opinions on this mark watched it i saw it a couple of days ago we're going to talk about that before we start on there how you doing mark we're, we're in a we're in a new year last time we talked it was right at December, we talked about the Rue episode. We we're getting ready for this episode. Now it's a new year. We got a little bit of clarity from Sam. Yeah, the Rue episode set things off for a nice little Christmas. We got the story of, of Rue and her conversation with Ali. Left that diner room and things felt okay. I felt like we wanted to see what's going to come from Rue's perspective going forward, especially in season two. But you and I have been very cautious of going too deep into Rue's story, yeah. at least in her narration perspective, just off the fact that there's more than likely a second half that is going to tell a much more different story. So yeah. we waited for Jules. Thankfully, we got the bonus episode that we have now. We've seen that story, and things feel good. I feel like the setup that they have put to make the anticipation for season two is in a good place. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I mean, Sam Levinson knows it. Uh, we are we are nearing two years since the premiere mm-hmm. of Gloria season one. The show, I think it will be fever pitch when it happens. Sam Levinson says they are going to start filming season two next month, early next month. So if we were to put our thinking caps on, Mark, if they're going to film, and let, let me be clear. Okay, this is what I think. FX or not FX, but you know the, the crew behind Snowfall. They started filming uh, last September, mm-hmm. September ish, August September ish, and that season is coming out this month at the end of the month. If Euphoria was to start filming next month, I think we could still see it by August. I, I really, want some, I, I want summertime. Yeah, it'll be different. This one, uh, Euphoria season one premiere, what June, July of mm. 2019. Uh, 2019. Um, I, I think that we could potentially see a summertime birth for that one as well. And they would end around, I mean, last, last season, last time it ended around November-ish anyway, right? It ended, ended uh, toward the end of the year. Uh, give us, give us 13 ups and, and you're in there and out of there, but we, we have clarity. A lot of things are getting done now. I mean, a lot of productions are being filmed. COVID's not stopping this, this train. They ain't stopping shit. Everyone's recording. Everyone's back to work. We're getting another season of Euphoria. We know now and we're prepared for it. I, I'm ready. Yeah, we have seen how they've already advanced with it. The Rue episode only involves two characters and whether or not people enjoy the episodes that have much different variants and all the different characters that you would expect in Euphoria and what you're expecting for season two. 
it ends up almost being way more beneficial to have that two character episode and see the storyline and the, and the narration that came from that. And with Jules, it, it didn't really move too far away from that either. We didn't really have too many people that were involved in that episode as well, because you had Jules, you had her therapist. And then of course you had the different stories that she's trying to keep up with that had been stressing her out for these couple of years to even be at the point where now she is in therapy. Yeah, we got a lot. We got a lot of clarity in that episode. But I, I, I even said, and, and I was gonna save it. But I, I think that even the Jules episode had way more people in it than the Rue one. I, I counted about six characters altogether. So it's like they were finding ways around it. I mean, even if it was just like you know, one character would be downstairs while her, and her dad would be upstairs. It'd be two. It was still two people, not a bunch of people on screen at one time. It was still two people. But the the, the Jules episode definitely. I saw it looked like they were figuring out how to do it. And one thing about Sam Levinson, filming through COVID did not stop him. Uh, he had Malcolm and Marie. Of course, we know the story behind this one. I believe we talked about it. Um, we, we had basically uh, Zendaya and uh, Sam Levinson. You know, season two, it got shut down literally a year ago. <laughs> and they said, you know, what are we going to do? And they wrote a movie and they put it out. Uh, Netflix paid $30 million for this movie, Mark. $30 million. They got the racks. They they they're, they're good enough for it. Net Netflix Netflix sitting on some cash. Don't make them think. Don't make them think they're 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 out here penny pinching. Yeah, if you see a, the Netflix said, if you see a twenty in here, I'm pussy and cashed out. <laughs> who who they say that to? Apple. <laughs> they, they they cashed out for for thirty million. They got John uh, John Washington Denzel's son, of course, and Zendaya. We 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 were thinking a lot of things about this movie when we saw the trailer. I know you you were hoping that that John would would not be the Quantrell figure that we wanted for Euphoria season two. He's not. He's we, not. Hey, we need him. We need him, man. We need this character to to come. It's it's on the way. It's on the way. Uh, Sam, if you're listening, Quantrell, please. We we need it. All right. Somebody. It might not be John David Washington. I'm very happy about the eyes that are being on John David Washington right now. I ended up getting one of my first looks at him just watching ballers and ballers ended up just getting buried from reviews and, and people that are very heavy on their HBO watching. Um, I think it had a little bit uh, of a difficulty of getting popular just based off its comparisons to entourage, but you ended up seeing John and David Washington just be so well in that series that I was much more ready, made a fan out of me and I wanted to start seeing a whole lot more of him going forward. Yeah. He's, he's great. He's great in tenant. Uh, which is another pandemic movie. Uh, he's great in Black Klansman, uh, which I thought was a really great movie as well. I really liked him in Malcolm Marie, a movie that I I is getting a lot of flack right now. I did not expect. Uh, I saw it early a couple of weeks ago. I thought it was good. I thought it was solid. You know, but I did not expect the level of vitriol from both sides and. This is a movie that I did not expect to be as polarizing because it wasn't it didn't feel like it was made to be this polarizing between people. Okay. I've seen I've seen so many compare I've seen racial stuff. I've seen critics hate it because Malcolm Marie to be, you know, just to be clear for anyone who hasn't seen it yet, it's a, it is basically a movie about two people, Zendaya and uh John's character. They're arguing all throughout the night. Uh, you know, John's coming back from movie premiere. He forgets to thank uh, Marie. Uh, and they have a, you know, a fight. Existentially toxic. You know, like, it's so much shit going on in this movie. And, you know, there are certain things in this movie. Like, it's, it's a tale of two movies. And you've seen it, Mark. It's a tale of two movies. There's one side that's the relationship part. And there's the other side that's talking about critics and how they're so disconnected from uh, the struggle of black creators or the, the struggle of being a creator now and just a creator period, because they're, you know, they're allowed to sit on their soapbox. And that's, that is, that part is Sam talking. And the relationship part is, and Diad wrote, I think she said she wrote about half of this movie. That would be Sam and, and Z that, that it's two different movies. Like, would you say that? Yeah. And I'm very happy. I'm very proud of Zendaya just being able to, like you said, once, once COVID happens and the production with Euphoria ends up slowing down, you kind of have to turn to your producer that has literally made so much out of Euphoria and be like, okay, what are we going to do? I feel like, I feel like I'm well, I've learned more than enough to be able to not only produce something with you, but write something with you. So people have been very upset at the fact that Sam Levinson has had a portion where there is something that feels like a 20 minute promo inside of a movie and it kind of 
disconnects a lot of people out of it. I texted you and I was like, damn, this thing is cutting a good a, a good 10 minutes on just reviews. Yeah. And that ended up not taking me out of what I ended up getting taken into from the trailer, which was the fact that this was going to be a black relationship. And we start seeing the ins and the outs of what happens with that. And thankfully, we get the details going into the first few minutes of the movie of what is even starting this fight, essentially, because we didn't really get that in the trailer at all. But it's felt like even before you turn the movie on, there's been so many things that have gone against not only Malcolm and Marie, but against Sam Levinson as well in areas where I wasn't really expecting it. Yeah, Sam is the son... (laughs) of a very famous director and you know his 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 dad is uh look look fucking the the listen to this fucking cars in the background he's the son of barry levinson and barry levinson made rain man uh he made good morning vietnam he made some classic movies and this is his son you know and a lot of people feel as though and, and i feel like it in some sense too like i don't fault him for you know a lot of people are saying you know he's he's hiding behind zendaya i don't feel like that i feel no. like there are directors that do that i feel like there's nothing wrong with z being his muse because it doesn't feel exploitative right and it's still largely telling a story that you know some people relate to as you see with euphoria i where i do have an issue is <clears throat> um sam putting his opinion because critics didn't like assassination nation into this movie and it took me out of it sometimes there's a 20 minute monologue with john washington going from inside the house to outside the house screaming which i thought was like okay can we get back to the relationship stuff because i thought that was more interesting to me than the critic stuff yeah listen the anti-critic stuff you know some critics are that way let's be clear some some of them are um should you be the one saying it no (laughs) you absolutely should not be the one saying it because of your privilege and sam I don't know if he realizes his privilege. I don't know if he checks it at the door. You know, I, I don't, I don't know. But what I can give him props for is giving people like Z, John, uh, you know, John David Washington, the time of day to do this and make this movie. And even if, you know, Zendaya gets some of the best lines, I feel like John's Malcolm's is speaking as Sam. And to me, sometimes it hinders him a lot. I saw that the, the things that, ended up stressing people out the most is just the tone of John David Washington. It felt mm-hmm. like from a relationship perspective, you didn't really have a lot of those sweet words and a lot of those things that you would normally have for a person that you have been dating for a, a well amount of time. This is not something between Malcolm and Marie that just happened last week. Uh, they have years of dating years of stories between the two of them that end up unfolding layer after layer after layer as they get more angry with each other they end up making up in small different areas and then as they end up making up in certain cases more things come out and then more fights continue to happen people had a lot of opinion on just the the tone and how much he was yelling throughout it. It didn't really turn me off that bad, but from that perspective of what John is portraying from Sam's message, I ended up tuning into more of the relationship perspective outside of just that promo. Yeah, it it was, it's just the more interesting part of the movie. Um, I don't want to get too bogged down into the, the response on social and stuff like that. Like, I just feel like it's, it's super overblown. Um, There's I, so I, many I, bad I, things against it. Yeah. They tried. They tried age, and the age conversation happened between the differences of sins and Day and John David Washington. Then it ended up being an uncomfortable conversation about race of a black woman, a light skinned black woman, and a black man, and yeah. that ended up going into odd areas like it normally does online. It ends up going out of left field, and then we end up seeing what has come most recently from the fact that you see John David Washington taking so much of Sam's perspective and portraying it from his mouth outside of Sam's. Yeah. Um, but again, wherever you stand on it, I, I do think it's worth a watch. If you are in a toxic relationship, <laughs> if you are going to watch this with your significant other, I would advise you to save it. <laughs> or I think if- this is beyond, I think this is beyond just normal toxic. 
Yeah, it it it's it's low blows getting getting sent out. But I mean, if you, if you didn't like the trailer, if you didn't like what you've seen from it, if you if you just don't like the vibe, if you don't like Sam Levinson, don't watch the movie. Uh, if you if you're looking for something really cool for about ninety minutes to watch, definitely check it out. It's worth it. I mean, it's on Netflix. You ain't doing shit else anyway. Uh, but I, I I give a I give a you know a a a, a thumbs in the middle, slightly thumbs up for Malcolm Marie. I really liked it. Yeah, ended well. I think their last their last portion ended up making people so very aware that Zendaya was shined really nice in this. Her last portion, as she is talking to Malcolm and pretty much ending this fight, ending this conversation, is something that you will really want to see, and it might resonate. Yeah. Well, let's get into the main event. Euphoria special episode two, Jules. So we start off the episode with Jules, uh, the recap of the Jules relationship. Uh, and then we realize, uh, literally, you know, within the first two seconds, two minutes of the, of the episode, Jules is back home. <laughs> she was caught. <laughs> the The escape did not work. No. Uh, what do you feel when you when you when you when you you know when she when you realize that you know she ran away, it didn't work, she got caught, she's back home, and now she's has she has to go to therapy. You can see it in her face immediately, like fuck, this was supposed to work. <laughs> I was have a brand new life. Start brand new school. Get away from all this. I'm supposed to escape. Now I'm back in the project. Man, I'm supposed to go get these hoes, man. They they calling me the greenest in the season. This, that's one thing about this episode, Mark. When we ended season one of Overly Medicated, we had the Green Awards. Mm-hmm. And Jules did not fare so well. I feel like this was purposely set up this way by Sam Levinson and the writers to make us hate Jules because this episode definitely turns your ass around and says, you might want to rethink those ratings. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, they, it's in an area where they give a little bit more insight as to why Jules is in the position that she is right now. And we ended up ending season one, like, holy shit, Jules is the greenest alive. And we, and we didn't even know it at the point in time, but what came from those stories and specifically where she is now that pretty much trying to escape everything and running away from it and starting brand new ends up being almost a theme, almost something that she is very comfortable with doing up until the point that it ended up not working. And here we are. Yeah. Uh, so it gets pretty heavy pretty early in this episode. Um, and again, Mark and I are speaking from straight, you know, strictly this episode, you know, when it, as it deals to, Jules and her sexuality and you know what she prefers to go by I'm just gonna go straight from the episode I don't want to you know we're not trying to uh you know we're two we're two cis males you know what I'm saying we're not we're not judging you know what I'm saying we're just judging straight from the from the episode I don't want to you know I don't want to make anybody uh feel uncomfortable here but we're just judging straight from the episode these are for these are from my notes okay absolutely so Jules says she wants to go off of her hormones of course the hormones that are you know assisting in her transition uh, you know, she says things such as she feels like she's framed her entire womanhood around men, but she's not interested in men acknowledging her personality and her whole being is tied to, you know, people that she's known or met. And she says, you know, my entire life, I've been trying to conquer femininity and somewhere along the way it conquered me. These are, these is, this is within the first 10 minutes, Mark. What were you thinking at this point where it's like, okay, Jules is literally at a crossroads and, and to a point where she does not know whether she wants to be this identity anymore of, of what we know as Jules. It ended up jumping out of the, the character of Jules and almost made me feel Hunter in a, in a much different type of area because she is such an appropriate person on who it should be to be able to tell this type of story from what we've seen in euphoria. All we have seen is Jules trying to continue this through different types of men, whether it's online, whether it's offline, we end up seeing that she is much more comfortable in taking these types of areas and these relationships with men in an offline, well, in an online perspective, I should say, because doing it offline is just, 
much more different, uh, a little bit more uncomfortable, and the anonymity just makes things a lot easier for her to be able to continue with this. But she ends up getting boring. Like, this is what she has had for these past couple of years and dealing with men has only went down one type of road. She's only met a certain type of person in between this time, and it's it hasn't been it hasn't been beneficial. She thought that this was going to be something that was a lot more amazing and, 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 a, and a lot more insightful to see the different types of things that she's learning from men. And she's not really seeing that much. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we get a, a lot of talk about her decision to want to get off of the hormones uh, before we slide into her relationship with Rue. Um, and she talks about how with with women, they always judge her. They always judge other women really. And Rue never judged her. She saw her for what she was. And she said, she reminded this one hit, this one hits heavy and is going to hit heavy for the rest of the episode. She says, it reminds me of how a mom sees you un, like kind of just unjudged. So now we're getting a little bit clearer as to why Jules stayed. And one thing I love about this episode, other than being the other side of the story and the other side of the coin is that it's real and honest about, uh, you know, relationships and dependency on people. Because Jules might not be, um, you know, a, a drug addict or a recovering addict. She is someone who still covets relationships and friendship and stuff like that. Yeah, and that and that, that type of thing can be a drug. Being able to be online and, and searching for uh, affection, affirmation, from different people, from different areas of life, that is, it, it, it may not be as directly as damaging as, you know, the, the, the type of drugs that Rue has been around for uh, a good amount of her life, but it ends up affecting Jules mentally, almost in a similar fashion. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, she, she talks about really just wanting, again, to, to take her blockers off. One thing she does bring up is, uh, Supplerin. It's a chip that's in her arm that suppresses her hormones. These these chips cost forty thousand dollars, yo. Like that that is a huge commitment to want to you know to change this this whole thing about herself. She's like she wants to just take it out. It's like some weird robotic chip inside of her. And I was like, I I went in and and I actually got um educated on it a little bit. I know we were we were texting. As I was watching, I was like, bro, this is this is serious shit. Like, she's really like that. 40K, her dad is making bank. I mean, I mean, hey, if you can, if you can, if you can dedicate it in that type of sense and continue the the the, the worst, the thing that hurt the most about that is the fact that it was so it has brought to a boiling point almost that she is more than willing to be able to stop the slowing of her voice changing things of that nature and now revert back to an area that she might want to start over again and continue with something else. Think of something like the ocean. I think like, I, I wanna be as beautiful as the ocean. The ocean's strong as fuck and feminine as fuck. And like both are what makes the ocean the ocean. My grandmother used to live by the ocean. And uh, when we'd go visit, we'd go down to the beach. And uh, I'd close my eyes. And I'd just swim and swim and so Jules says that being trans is spiritual to her. And um, she, she kind of uses that, that as, you know, as a, as a way to say that her personality is hers. It's something that she was able to create and craft her own self. And I think that as, uh, you know, again, like this, this type of conversation and, and you know, being trans and, and, and transgender and stuff like that, like that's not something that, you know, at least me or you, Mark, probably ever learned about. You know what I'm saying? And we never had conversations about that. And I think one thing that's, that's beautiful and dope about it, like, is that we get to learn about what it's like from that side to be who Jules or Hunter, you know, <laughs> to, to be who she is. And I thought, I just thought this whole first 20 minutes was fucking fascinating. And, and, I, and I really appreciate 
Hunter being able to tell her story. Jules feels very in tune, not only, I wouldn't say more so with her emotions, but just off everything that has happened within the past couple of years, especially with the past couple of months with Rue and how it ends up connecting with her mentally. There's only one area that she ends up trying to stay a little bit away from. And it's what you said when she brought up the fact that Rue almost feels like a maternal figure and her therapist says something relating to her mom and she Mm. stays far away from that conversation doesn't really want to talk about it and just wants to continue how she has felt um to make it here into therapy so uh she said i mean speaking of rue jules says that she feels that she's lost rue as we know uh from the rue episode uh you know she hasn't been responding to jules texts and calls um jules admits that she ran because of the situation uh, that could be Rue or it could be, of course, as we know, Nate, psycho Nate, uh, was too hard for her to cope with. And it hits her that she ruined the, the Rue relationship. And it becomes clear, Mark, that these two have wildly different interpretations yes. <laughs> of what went down on that night. So when we, you know, we're, we're starting to get there. <laughs> we're starting to get there. What, where, what are you, what are you thinking now? You're starting, cause at this point I'm like, Oh no, we get in the real truth about what really, you know, what Jules felt because we didn't see that. And it becomes, again, and this becomes so much more readily apparent. They kind of touched on it on the Rue episode. Rue is not a good narrator whatsoever. And they didn't really go to back to the train station where Jules is saying, I'm sorry, I have to go. And we didn't really get too much from Jules's perspective of that. But the thing that threw me off, the, the thing that blew my fucking mind was their first kiss. Yes. What we got from Euphoria season one, according to Rue, felt like they were in the bedroom and it was this theatric, momentous kiss and things might have got a little bit awkward, but it still felt like there was a little bit of tension in the air and she backed off, left, so on and so forth. From Jules's perspective, well, it was we're gonna a quiet... We're going to we're gonna get to that. We're going to get to that. We're going to get... You're skipping ahead. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Not next. That's not next. We're skipping ahead. I can't, I can't spoil it. Yet. I can't spoil That's it. That's not next. That's not next. So um, we then get down to the really the nitty-gritty of everything. Rue, she she said that Rue's sobriety is dependent. These are just Rue bars for the next five minutes of the, of the episode. <laughs> Deserved Rue bars. It, it is, absolutely. She said that she feels that Rue's sobriety is dependent on how available the jewels is to her. And she felt the weight of being there. Like, what if Rue relapses because she's not there? And we get the flashpoint, we get the flashback or the kind of like the fantasy of Jules coming home and having to find Rue overdosed. Um, we then realize, and this is, the, this is the hitter right here, Jules' mom was dealing with addiction issues, which makes sense and kind of closes the loop on why she was so mean and, and evil to Jules. Remember, in the Jules episode of Euphoria, we find out that she went, she took them to, a, she took uh, Jules to the hospital to try and quote unquote fix her. Mm-hmm. So it makes a lot more sense here in closing the loop of why the Rue and Jules relationship was what it was. And honestly, Mark, why these two do not belong together. Yeah, it ends up being just damaged from the beginning. Because what we saw from Euphoria season one, at least in Jules' beginning of conversation, when she was in that hospital, that's almost what we're left with to almost assume that's why Jules has so much disdain and so much hatred of her mother. The details of her being involved with drugs was not told from us at that point in time. So now as you start putting two and two together and you start seeing that you have already had a complete negative connotation and mindset of somebody that has dealt with drugs that has literally birthed you. It's very difficult to be able to now get into a relationship with somebody that has been so dependent on drugs, as you are well aware, and start seeing them almost wean themselves off of it the more that you are around them. The fact that you are providing so much light into their life and shining in that type of area where now Rue wants to cut back and be a lot more sober and just be around Jules in much more of a different fashion. As things start getting bad with that, mm-hmm. Jules has to start thinking about how she is going to address that because you really can't address 
through the same way that you would like to address your mom, even though they both have similar difficulties that they're trying to deal with. At this point, um, we get the full story. <laughs> we get the full story. Um, she was afraid. Jules was afraid of talking about the stuff going on with her mom, which was going on concurrently with season one. So Sam played the big joker <laughs> of this whole thing. We were wondering, Mark, if these special episodes would give more clarity. We thought that they would be one-offs, right? We thought that they would just literally be like not much given to it. I would say that of the two episodes, this was the one that you should watch for, for this scene alone because it does close the loop of a lot of things that we question about Jules's um, personality, her actions, some devious scripting here from Sam Levison. We find out th that uh, the things that we didn't see or we missed because of Rue's narration. Remember, we always question, Mark, how, would, how did Jules know all this stuff about these people? And how do we mm -hmm. know that it's true? Mm -hmm. <laughs> We, we know that Jules, I mean, not, not Jules, but Rue barely knows what the fuck's going on with her. And we get the, the real, uh, we get the real, real here. Uh, Euphoria is kind of interesting because Rue rules over the relationships that she has with every single character. It's always from her perspective. Each one of the episodes we saw in season one was her narrating these characters and us not being able to really see what was going on, right? Like that has been the, the story. With the Jules thing is that like, yo... She was incapable of seeing what she was doing to Jules because she was crafting and authoring the relationship herself. What a motherfucker. And, you know, we've thought about, we've thought about giving Rue these types of awards from week to week. Never did. <laughs> Never did because we gave her the benefit of the doubt. And we we're like, well, you know, things are just going to clean up next week. You know, things are bad. I think the only time that we really gave it to Rue was when she was was when she was banging on. Um, oh my god, when she was banging on Fez's door, when she was banging on Fez's door and completely bar barring him up, telling him she needs to serve him right now. You're not going to do shit else. Uh, shit else left with your life. And that was when we we're like, all right, yeah, time out. But everything else, we have given Rue the benefit of the doubt up until we start seeing the perspectives of these stories that Rue is telling, but actually more so from Jules. And from that point, we get the perspective of our good pal, Shy Guy. I feel like real life is always such a letdown. What do you mean? I don't know. It's just like easier to talk to people online. You can be more open and honest and vulnerable. Shy Guy, 118. This, well, from the point they ripped the jewels or the, the Rue Band-Aid off, this episode is 100 miles an hour from that point. I, I, I know you watched before me. What were you thinking <laughs> when we were getting to these scenes? With uh, and, and one thing that's interesting, again, we're, we're not even talking about how well this episode shot. Fantastic. For the limitations they had, yes. fucking fantastic. With, with like half the crew that they usually would have had, fucking fantastic. You get a fantasy scene of what J Jules sees Shy Guy as versus what we know as the audience who he is. Uh, what do you feel about this scene coming up with, with Shy Guy 118 and Jules kind of crafting a relationship in her head as she tells the therapist? It's easier to make these conversations up in her head. Literally crafting from what she expects to see from Shy Guy 118 because she has not seen his face as of yet this is all just perspective of what she's seeing online and we are going to start going down the road of the volatility that comes from this but Jules is very enamored with the fact that she can continue a relationship like this with somebody and not have to deal with the difficulties that she has felt for the past couple of years of dealing with people in person and the disappointments that have come from that as well yeah, absolutely. And, well, let's get into it. We get a scene where Rue calls out Jules for not knowing who Shy Guy is. I don't, th these were scenes that were just shot too, right? They were not in season one. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, and then Rue, I mean, Jules says, Look, half of every relationship is in my head. Makes a lot of sense why she would be with Nate's dad. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Like she had a rosy rose-colored glasses view of all these relationships and all these things that Jules was imagining 
it could have been anyone. She envisions these outcomes and Jules reveals, you know, just like you were about to bring up, that she froze while kissing Rue because, again, she didn't concoct this relationship because she was so interested in men. But she had never kissed a girl before. So we get that scene again from season one <laughs> where from they perspective. from a different perspective. I believe I went back, Mark, and I <laughs> you watched this scene. <laughs> I listened to no, I listened to our perspectives of that scene. And we were very, very antagonistic towards Jules. And that's in that sequence. We were very much like Jules is a pimp. Jules got hoes. Sweet Jules. We were, we were very, I went back to the episode and I was like, wow, pod of shame. We should, <laughs> listen, to, we should listen to all of our takes for Jules from season one of Overly Medicated. And we should definitely punish ourselves because we were very wrong and, and, and judgy of her. Hey man, we expected Sweet Jones Jr. We did not, <laughs> we did not get to use the clip that we expected to use, but in time, though, this is this is how it's almost like I'm not gonna. Hey, you know what? I'm actually gonna do that. I'm not putting that on us. That's Rue's fault. No, <laughs> Rue made Jules a pimp. Not not us. I. It's tough. You know, it, it it's tough, man. You know, I it, it is again the narration got us. You know, what I'm saying Jules. Like yeah. I, that makes me wonder if season two will follow the same. Uh, you know, through line of the story of letting Rue kind of control and craft because her, you know, distance to these relationships is ours. You know what I'm saying? Like we feel for these people, like what she did. Exactly, it's all of her mind. Exactly, and and I felt like I was just like, man, we got we got bamboozled. Like just like moving, you know, back into it. Like Jules said that she didn't believe that Rue could love her. Thus saying, and this is big Rue bars. That she feels like she got to know Shy Guy better than Rue. And at that point, I'm like, bro, do you, did you get to know... Were you getting to know Nate? Or were you getting to know the person that Nate, you know, wanted you to know? Because, I mean, essentially, yes, we know that he knew that it was Jules, right? Mm-hmm. But what we don't know is if Nate was projecting what he really wanted to be. Because, I mean, we, we all remember the scene where uh, <laughs> Nate w- was, was, was with uh, Maddie and she was like, it's okay to be gay. <laughs> and he was like, what the fuck? And then, and then completely, and completely did not understand a single point of what she was trying to make. Yeah, well, he got defensive immediately. Probably if, if, if he was in full murder mode, you know, we would have been talking about a different story there. Uh, but, I mean, you know, we, we, we see some of the sex. We see some of the, 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 the stuff that was going on there. And you realize, like, in this excellent scene, this excellent little, like, fantasy scene, that her ideal shy guy didn't exist. The guy, you know, she, Nate's using Tyler's name. And if you guys don't remember, Tyler's the guy that he terrorized uh, for, for hooking up with Maddie. But, you know... It was literally Nate's projection, more of Nate's games, which makes you really hate Nate a lot more in this episode. That almost made me throw up. Once I started putting two and two together that you just whooped Tyler's ass to the point that people thought it was sexual assault. And um, now you're using his name to go and try and pull jewels in a much more disgusting type of fashion. Yeah, it, it Nate got to go. I don't know how we're going to end up there. Away. It's on the way. My dog Fez got it. Nigga, is Fez still alive? <laughs> My, dog, <laughs> My dog Fez got it. He's gonna hit a John Wick. Just wait. Just wait till the first couple of minutes of season two. The kick though, I don't know if he was successful with the kick though, because that that guy looked kind of scary. Um, we, get, we we get the nightmare about Jules, you know, living with Rue. This is an extension once again of Rue's dreamy fairy tale of living with Jules. Mm-hmm. From the Rue episode. Uh, so we we get that. And, you know, I'm thinking at this point, these two, again, I don't know how season two is going to work with these two trying to have this forbidden relationship. It doesn't, it does not feel like it's going to end well. There's way too much baggage on both ends. Jules is afraid of killing Rue by yeah. being herself. And Rue is afraid of, you know, Jules loving someone else. And then her just, I mean, we already see Jules, you know, Rue doesn't want to live. She doesn't want to be alive. Mm-hmm. You know, like, Jules is absolutely right about what her presence in her life is doing to her. And that is the scary part. 
Yeah, Jules is is more than willing to envision herself with different people, uh, different scenarios. We ended up seeing what she thought her first encounter with Shy Guy would be, and it was a very sexual scene. Ended up um, pretty much going through it almost in front of Rue, and as she's dealing with these things, putting the chains in her mouth and things like that, Rue's in the corner. And watching and slowly maneuvering back up until the point where that door locks and up and it felt okay for Jules up until the point that that door locked because now Rue's not opening the door ends up going crazy trying to open it almost trying to bang it with her shoulder hurts herself towards getting and eventually it ends up opening and what she ends up opening is Rue on the floor. Yeah. Uh Big bummer hours, <laughs> super bummer hours. It, very, very rough scene to watch. But, but again, truthful in the sense that this is what Jules is afraid of happening. Yeah. And it could literally happen. We get uh, to a point where Jules' mom pops up on her. And that goes about as well as you think. Uh, but this is all happening within season one. And she wants to make uh, amends with Jules as part of her recovery uh, and her dad takes her upstairs and says, hey, you know, you should forgive her. And she overhears Jewel spazzing and says, I don't give a fuck. And next thing you know, they go downstairs and she's gone. This next part is a little unclear. Maybe some people who are listening could clear this up for us. I felt this, though. I got the impression that Jewel's mom was either in the hospital or had passed on the night of the Halloween episode of Euphoria in season one. What did you feel about the scene where his dad gets the call and Jewel just kind of runs out? I think she wanted to avoid that news. As quick as possible, we didn't get a confirmation of death. All that we heard was her dad and the other person that's on the phone stating that they found her with a lot of bottles around her, probably smaller bottles that she was able to sneak in from wherever she was, whether it was the hospital or whichever institute that that it may have been. But pretty much ends up relapsing to the point that it almost feels like she is about to pass and Jules doesn't want to hear a single part of whatever confirmation is about to come from that. She does not want to talk about it with her father. She bolts out the door. And if we go back to the Halloween episode, you could end up seeing them seeing Jules in her Halloween costume. She's ready to go. And the question that we had the most from there is why Jules was acting so awkward on that night. And we end up seeing why because of this. Well, let me tell you, Mark, I went back. No. <laughs> when I listened to our episode on that, we were once again not very nice. <laughs> what do we say about what do we say about Jules? She was being a, a, an asshole. Essentially. Oh man. <laughs> she did not care about Rue or anyone, you know, that she just wanted to she she was she had her nose open for that girl that they met when they went out to, you know, when they, when they went on that trip and she had her nose open for her and, you know, she wasn't trying to hear nothing. And again, puts us, it puts it in perspective. We, we know, we know why she was acting like that now. I mean, thank, thank you, Sam and, and writers for putting that one in perspective for us. You evil motherfuckers. You really made us hate. You really made us gave a top three green award to Jules. She wouldn't want it if not for Nate. She, yeah, she, if, if, if Nate was not setting up the ending, we would have been very comfortable in giving all of this to Jules. But, again, I'm clearing myself and Justin's name out of this. It's because of the narrator. So, Rue, that perspective, we, when we start thinking about, so now we got to start thinking about who else might not have been so green. McKay? No, no, that's McKay. Nah, no, no, no. That's, <laughs> McKay is that's, McKay. That's guaranteed. That's guaranteed. Uh, well, well. Who else did we say? Maddie, maybe? Possibly. There were there were moments where you start seeing Maddie's perspective and how she ends up thinking the way that she thinks and does the oh, things that on, she Mark. does in that case. Hold on, Mark. What about what about Nate? No. No. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I, I don't think you do this without without telling the audience. You don't set this up without making the audience believe maybe you should not always be trusting Rue. I don't think you do this without, you know, because he knows people for, who love season one are going to watch this. You are telling your audience right now, do not trust what Rue says, or at least trust it with a grain of salt. Because I think when season two comes around, her narration will be in severe, severe questioning because of what we've seen from this episode. Almost nothing that she said about the Jewel situation was correct. 
Ali even called her out on this. And to a point, I mean, even when we did that episode, we were like, whoa, whoa, someone actually questioned that. Because mm-hmm. we didn't think as an audience that Drew would be guiding us down the wrong path because as TV watchers, we, we take it at face value. But we got the wool pull over our eyes by, by Rue here, and I, and I don't like it at all. It's why people thought originally that she was dead because she knew so much about people's stories because of that. But it's not passing away and just being in the afterlife and knowing everything uh, with rose colored glasses. It's it's drugs. And uh, it's as it's as as forward as I can say it with that. But it ends up putting things that especially scenarios that were so cold and so awkward and make them feel a lot and sound a lot more thrilling. We were very, we were very mean to her. I just want to say that. It's because it's cause of, it's cause of Rue. I'm sorry. Um, Are you apologizing to Hunter or are you apologizing to Jules? Jules. I'm apologizing to Jules. We, we uh, had no smoke for Hunter. We love Hunter. Exactly. Uh, so we get the true story of the runaway. I don't know how she got this apartment or who she was staying with, but Jules did find an apartment. It was the apart, the aforementioned apartment from the fantasy. Uh, and her dad finds her, drags her home. Uh, from there, she, we, we get uh, Jules back at home. She's grounded, obviously, on punishment, trying to run away. And we see, dun, 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 Rue shows up. After her visit with Ali, she shows up and a uh, very awkward moment. Jules apologizes for leaving her and Rue starts crying, says, I don't even know why I'm crying and leaves. <laughs> well, well, not, before saying, not before saying Merry Christmas uh, and leaves. No reconciliation yet. So it sets the stage for season two. Rue and Jules on shaky ground. I don't think this is, they're not going to tomorrow be hanging out. And if it is, it's going to be very short on conversation. Yes, there's not going to be. But we we, we do have an inclination of when this will be happening post-Christmas, New Year. Mm -hmm. So we know when that's going to happen. However, Mark, I I question this. Where does this... I I have no clue where the story's going (laughs) when we're coming out of this. I, I think adding the portion of her mom makes me put a complete red stop sign on a whole lot of this. I don't think Jules has the opportunity to really love Rue 100% with the fact that the baggage from her mom and how she feels about people that are dependent on drugs. It's a, it's a huge red stop sign. I don't think you can really go too much forward with Rue unless there's an area where maybe her mom actually did survive the relapse. And she could end up being in an area where she can have almost remorse, uh, a little bit more empathy in areas that her dad actually wanted before she ended up saying she doesn't care and so on and so forth. Maybe if this does continue with Rue, we start seeing the empathy that could happen with her mom if she is still alive. Again, we don't know if she is still alive, but because there is such a big piece of that, I don't see how she gets out of that type of mindset to continue with a rule that is now quote unquote focused on Mm -hmm. being a lot more positive about life. And of course, being a lot more sober to be able to be here for the people that love her. Ali really drilled that into her head that there are people that care and appreciate what she is doing and why she is here. And Rue has been so focused on making sure that she just doesn't disappoint people. So that will be her perspective and her focus in season two. But if this continues between Jules and Rue, it's, it's a dangerous, dangerous road. Cause I don't think Jules is going to be able to get over that. No, not at all. And I mean, you're still left wondering what the fuck is going to happen with Nate. Death. I <laughs> death. <laughs> Whether or not we get in season two or season three, somebody please. So much like Tony Stark and uh, Steve Rogers in Civil War and Endgame, the dynamic duo of rules, Rue and Jules, is not together. And they will not start season two together. And that's where we end off until until season two, whenever we get that. Uh, That is the special episode, uh, part two of Euphoria. We are, once again, I guess going to be taking... Yet another hiatus, Mark. It's unfortunate. I'm I'm very happy that Sam left us off 
with what he did between Rue and Jules, I really loved the way that this was portrayed. I think what we end up seeing from Rue is just so theatric, not only in the stories that she tells, but the music that she chooses. She chooses Bobby Womack songs, and it sounds so thrilling and sounds so crazy with the way that she tells her stories. And we end up seeing similar stresses come from Jules, but through violins and instruments yeah. and things yeah. that are so much more intricate. And it almost illustrates the minds between both of them. Both of them are still going through stresses that I'm still stunned. How old are they again? 18? Like high school. The, the, to see these types of intricacies from high schoolers is still stunning between you and me. But to see the differences of stresses and how it goes through other people's minds, seeing things go off like a time bomb on Rue's side and seeing things play so beautiful and instrumental in another person's mind is something that ends up being underrated uh, between these two specials that we got in December and January. But again, we're going to be gone for a couple of months until we actually see what comes out of this. And hopefully by summertime, we end up seeing not only with what, is going to come from Ruin Jewels, but everybody else that we've been waiting for too. Yeah, uh, it, it is. It's. I'm. I'm gonna miss this show once again. I said it again. I said it last. I said it. Uh, well, shit, almost two years ago. I'm gonna say it again. I miss this show, but we're gonna come back stronger, better, uh, with with more stories. Hopefully, we don't we don't you know leave off uh, this long ever again. But once again, thank you guys for listening to Overly Medicated. Make sure you subscribe to us at RNC watch uh you got shows like this it's a challenge and late fees will be returning very 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 soon uh for 2021 we're gonna have a whole new coat uh, of paint for the show uh and then you know we're, we're me and mark are gonna come back uh imminently and uh try and try and do this thing all over again man i i, I miss this show but uh i miss doing shows with you man we're gonna go we're gonna, we're, we're gonna be back with the jits very soon we're going back to the high school I'm going to be telling these stories of things. They need to be in college at this point. They can't be no seniors. Uh, Wait, but who graduated, though? Not everybody graduated. Who didn't? They were about to graduate. It's been two years since the season started. Has they, Oh, well, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, yes. Technically, yes. I, I, if they if they end up putting them into college from since then, then, yeah, I think so. Because nobody was nobody was freshman outside of outside of Gia. Yeah, McKay. I don't even, uh, think, I don't even think Gia was in high, I don't even think Gia was in high school. No, she was. She was. I, I think McKay was the only person that graduated. I think everyone that actually, went to, that actually went to college. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. I don't know. Uh, but we missed this show and we love you guys for listening. Uh, for Mark, I am Justin. Thank you guys for listening to Overly Medicated. Make sure you wash your hands and wear your damn masks so we can get shows like Euphoria more often. Until then, see you guys later. Peace out. Mm-hmm.